holy name that we pray and all God's people said, amen, amen. I just, by, by way of reminder, I want to give us just, uh, you know, kind of catch us up to speed where we are in Revelation chapter 22. And if we follow just the natural, logical progression of this book as we read it and study it, remember it was in chapter 1 that John the Apostle was on the island of Patmos. And all of a sudden, as he's there, isolated in this place of being all alone, the Lord Jesus showed up to him. You guys remember that? In all of his glory, all of his splendor, Jesus shows up. In in his place of isolation, what did he receive? The greatest revelation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, remember what happened? John fell at Jesus' feet as if dead. And the Lord did what? The Lord touched him. Don't be afraid. And then gave him instructions, right? And those instructions, so beautiful for us because it gives us a simple outline to the entire book of Revelation. I believe, and we're going to talk about this in just a moment, I believe personally that God gave us this book and wants us to study it, to learn it, and to understand it, that we might apply what we learn in our lives. It is not, we're going to see in a moment, it is not a book to be sealed up. It's called the revelation, the unveiling, the revealing of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I've learned so much more about my Jesus that has been uncovered and unveiled as we've studied together. It's been beautiful. And so Jesus said to John, the first part of the outline was to write down the things which you have seen. What did John see? Well, he saw the Lord Jesus, right? Again, chapter 1. Then he said, write down the things which are. And that would be chapter 2 and chapter 3. If you remember with me, Jesus gave seven letters, or I like to say seven report cards, to seven churches, that literal churches that had existed in John's day. But all of those letters, all of those report cards are applicable throughout the church age, and applicable to you and to me this morning. Why? Because at the end of each letter, Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so we need to tune in. That's right, little baby. We need to tune in to what the Lord is saying to us, especially when we read those letters because listen, the world has plenty of, plenty of definitions of a successful church. There are even magazines and, and, and Christians that say, here's what a successful church is. Listen, I don't care what man says. I want to know what Jesus says is a successful church and that we would order our lives, orientate our lives in our church according to what he says in his word. Are you with me still on that? And so that's the things which are, and then the things which must take place after this is chapter 4 all the way to chapter 22. In chapter 4 and chapter 5, remember John had a, um, a supernatural uh, experience. He was transported into heaven, right? And what did he, when he got to heaven, what did he see? He saw a throne. He saw God sitting on the throne. There were these 
interesting looking angels also around the throne. There's this amazing worship going on around the throne. And he also noticed a certain group of people also that were there around the throne. And they were singing some amazing songs. And you look at those songs and they identify who the people are. Isn't that interesting that the Bible teaches us who exactly they are? There's only one group of people that can be singing that we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God from all peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations. You know who that is, who John saw? That's us in heaven. Why am I bringing that up? Because chapter 4 and chapter 5 always precede chapter 6 through 19. Well, what happens in chapter 6 through 19, man? That's called the tribulation period. Seven years, unprecedented, heaviness, heavy stuff that's going to happen, gnarly stuff that will happen on planet Earth. God will pour out his wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world. And we know that he'll also reach out to rescue people, that he will remove wickedness and wicked ones, make no doubt about it. He will also deal with the nation of Israel also at that time. But I just want to remind us, in chapter 6 through 19, the church is no longer mentioned on earth. Why? Because we're in heaven with Jesus. How does that happen, the rapture of the church? Jesus will come and take us to the place that he's preparing for us before God's wrath is poured out. How do you know that, Mike? Come on. I'm a mid-trib, post-trib pan trip. I hope it all just pans out, person. How do you know that the bride of Christ will be taken up before the tribulation, before wrath is poured out? How do you know that? Because the Bible says so. Revelation 3.10. Jesus said to the church, I will keep you from the hour of trial that will come upon the entire world to test it. Keep you not through it, but from the very hour of trial completely. That will take a removal. That will take a, in other words, a mass evacuation, if you will. The author of Hebrews, or actually Paul in Thessalonians, said that the church is not appointed unto wrath, but unto salvation. Why? Because listen, why are we going to escape the wrath to come? Because of what Jesus did for us. As he hung on the cross, not only did he, did he absorb the, 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 our sin, all of our garbage, all of our trash, but he also endured the wrath of God upon him. So that we would never have to experience God's wrath if we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Please don't ever forget that, that Jesus paid the penalty for us in his life's blood, that we might not only be forgiven, but also to escape the wrath to come. We are not appointed unto wrath, the Bible says. I think it's important to be reminded of that, don't you? Because we're called to comfort one another with those words. And so... At the end of the tribulation period, Jesus comes back, which will be his second coming, not to be confused with the rapture that happens before the tribulation, the second coming of Jesus Christ. He will come to this earth to set up his kingdom. For how long? How long is that kingdom on earth? Thousand years, also known as the 
millennial, you guys are on this morning. Millennial kingdom. And all, listen, listen, all of the promises that God made in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that have not been fulfilled will be fulfilled at that time. Why? Because, listen, our God is a promise-keeping God. He is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his promises. At the end of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, at the end of the literal thousand years, great white throne judgment. All those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, all those who have rejected the witness of God in their life throughout history will stand before God and be found guilty and be sentenced to the lake of fire for all eternity. And that's a reality. There's no heaven without a hell. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the reality is there will be some that don't choose Jesus. They will reject him. God doesn't jack with our free will. He gives man choice. And, and really, I don't mean to make light of this, but you win or lose by the way you choose. And if you don't, listen, if you don't know Jesus today, he's reaching out to you right now. It's not an accident you're listening. It's not an accident you're here. It is the most important decision you will ever make is concerning your eternity and where you will spend it. And so at that time also we learn what's going to happen to the present earth we look at today, the present earth, the present heavens, they will be wiped out. They will, they will vanish in fact, Jesus said that heaven and, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away ever. Correct? And we will be there with our Father when he creates a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We will be there right there with him, and we live happily ever after. Amen. Hallelujah. All because of what Jesus did for us. We get to partake of his grace and blessings, not only now, but for all eternity. And he's the one to thank, to give the praise and the glory to. And now as we hit the tail end of the book here, we're going to find a number of exhortations, a number of warnings. Um, there's going to be some comfort also. And so there's a little bit for everybody here this morning as we work our way through the end of this book. So let's check it. Is that a long enough intro? Is that good? Okay. 22. I don't even remember. We left off verse 7. Yes? Okay. Here we go. Behold, I am coming quickly. Who's speaking there? Jesus. What does behold mean? Check it out. Listen up. Tune in. Don't miss out. I am coming. When he says quickly, it means suddenly, without warning. And Jesus told us that, didn't he? He said his coming would be like a, a thief in the night. Thief in the night. No heads up, no warning. They just come, boom, and they're gone. And that's what's going to happen. When Jesus comes for us in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, boom, we are out of here, up to the Father's house. Remember what Jesus said? He said, let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Isn't that good news? Listen, every time we take communion, when do we take communion around here, Pastor? Every Sunday night, 4 o'clock, come join us. Every time we take communion together, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes, according to the Apostle Paul. You know what you're saying? I believe Jesus died for me, he rose again, and he's coming back for me. Every time we take the bread and we take the cup and we celebrate his death, burial, resurrection, and his coming for his bride. Exciting stuff. He will be coming. Be ready. We're to be about our Lord's business. Amen? And then look at what else Jesus says. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Which book are we talking about? Revelation. So blessed means, what does blessed mean? Oh, how happy is the man or the woman. Or, check this out, it means, oh, how spiritually prosperous is the man or woman. And think about how many people are seeking happiness this morning. And what do they seek it? What are they, how are they seeking happiness? What are they doing? Seeking temporal things, Right? Things that will pass away. If I just had this, if I just was able to accomplish that, I'm going to be so blessed and so happy. And then what happens? Oh, you get it. And then what happens? You want, thank you, you want more. You want the next thing. And then the next thing. And the Lord's saying, listen, this morning, listen, brothers and sisters, here is the way of happiness. Here's the path of happiness is what is those who keep the words of this book. Oh, I would extend it out to the entire Bible, being a doer of the word. Isn't that what's, isn't that what's communicated in Psalm 1? Correct? Blesses the man who does what? Meditates on the word of God day and night. They're going to bear fruit. Their, their, their leaves will never wither. There's going to be no off-season for that person. They're going to be continually bearing fruit. But he's saying specifically, keep the words of this book, the Revelation. And by the way, that word keep, interesting word. It means to cherish. It means to treasure. It means to hold close. Not only that, it means to do and put into practice also. So think about that with me. Has it been all gloom and doom and judgment? Is there stuff for us to apply in Revelation? How about the seven report cards? Are we keeping the words that the Lord communicated to us? Let me ask you a question. Are you still in love with Jesus? Before you answer that question super quick, do you still have that first love? Or 
Or are you going through the motions? How about the next report card? How are you doing with your suffering right now? I know some of us are suffering. Some of us are suffering and no one else knows, but the Lord knows. Do you know that that's one of the tools that God uses in our lives? Oh, he uses the word, the Holy Spirit. But listen, he also uses suffering in our lives. Why? Is there a purpose to my suffering? If you're a child of God, absolutely this morning. We are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so I embrace that and I say, okay, Lord, if suffering was good enough for you, then it's good enough for me too. And I will walk in it. How about false teaching? Next report card. I cannot believe how many of our brothers and sisters are buying into false teaching in the church. I Listen, I don't know how to, to plead, to beg with you. Please be careful of who you are allowing to influence your life. I get one shot to share God's word with you all, some of you twice a week. I don't know what y'all are reading or listening to, but there are some people out there that want to lead you astray with their false teaching. Can I encourage you to test everything you hear and see with the word of God? Everything you hear from me, you test it with the word of God. You be a Berean. Everything you hear from this pulpit, pulpit you test and hear. Are you with me? It's so sad. I can't believe some of the brothers and sisters that are getting picked off. Again, I can't believe it, but I can believe it. This whole love of self. Or I have to learn to forgive myself. Where does the Bible even say that, dude? Jesus forgives and you're to forgive. You don't need to learn to forgive yourself. I'm a forgiven child of God. And I'm called to forgive as I've been forgiven in Christ. You can't love others. Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang on this commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And the other one connected to it, attached to it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. But listen, you can't, learn, you can't love others until you learn to love yourself. Can I just tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's even on the radio, Christian radio here. It's like, really? Self is our problem. In fact, Paul said to Timothy, perilous times will come in the last days. Men will be lovers of themselves. That's our issue. And what are we to do with the self? Jesus told us, didn't he? If we want to follow him, deny ourselves. Take up our cross, what, annually? Daily. Deny the self, death to the self. And then the best part is what? Follow me, he said. That's where life is found. Not in satisfying and gratifying our stinking flesh and learning to love ourselves. By the way, that's a different Bible study, sorry. Next report card. Are we keeping his word? Are we still relying upon the power of the Holy Spirit? 
Or are we walking around like Christian zombies? Remember the dead church? What's a Christian zombie? I think it looks something like this. And there's no fruit, and there's no power, and there's no sharing of the gospel. It's just going through the motions. And the Lord wants to, not only, not only does he give us the Holy Spirit to indwell us, but he wants to baptize us and fill us to have the Holy Spirit come upon us. That we would be powerful, bold witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. With not just our lips, but with our lives. That we would be alive as he is alive. How about the open door? Are you still going through the open doors that Jesus opens? Jesus said, remember Church of Philly? You guys remember that? A long time ago, I know, a year or two ago. I've opened, I've set before you a door no man can shut. Are you, are you still walking through the open doors that the Lord gives you? Have you even stepped through the open doors that are right before you? At some point, guess what the doors are going to do? We're out of time. Time expired, that's it. Time to go home. Time to head on out. There's no second chances to invest in that which matters, in that which is eternal. How about the, how about the last? Are you lukewarm this morning? I tell you what, in Cuba, those pastors and their families, they got nothing. They are suffering. I tell you what, they worship Jesus. I mean, we get more excited about the Strohs Or paint our faces for the, what's the football team that gets spanked every year? <laughs> Texans. <laughs> oh, but we'll, get fi- we'll get fired up and cheer for them. <laughs> paint our faces, get our jerseys. But we won't even lift our hands for Jesus, cheer for him. Is there something wrong? Like, is, there, is there something wrong there with our church? Not our church. I'm talking about churches around the... The town. Is there something wrong with that? We can't get excited about Jesus, but we can get pumped up about Jesus. What did Jesus say about lukewarm, by the way? I will vomit, spew, yeah, is that the King Jimmy? I will vomit you out of my mouth. I don't know what that means, but I don't want it to happen to me. You know what I'm saying? I want to be on fire for Jesus. And the only way that you're going to be on fire for Jesus is like John the Baptist. Remember what Jesus said about John the Baptist? He was a burning and shining lamp. The only way we're going to shine is if we're burning in our hearts for Jesus. And you come back to him. Listen, if that's not the case this morning, what did Jesus say? Repent. Always he gave, remember, he gave with the prognosis and diagnosis, repent, come back to me, let me help you get things back in order. He doesn't just leave us there hanging. He's like, just come back to me. That's the problem. He doesn't go anywhere. You and I go. We drift away. We turn our backs. We get our eyes off of him and onto something else that we value or whatever or the difficulty in our life, or the hardship, instead of keeping our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith. Are we keeping his word, gang? We want to be blessed. 
Those letters are a great way to go back and remind ourselves, how am I doing spiritually? Are you with me still? Okay, let's keep going. You ready? That's one verse. Hallelujah. We do. <laughs> Verse 8, now I, John, saw and heard these things. So John goes on record and he says, I'm the one who not only saw but heard these things. He's testifying going on record to what things? In context, listen, in context, He's talking about seeing the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, how awesome it's going to be having the fellowship and connection with the Father and the Son for all eternity and all of the blessings and the amazing things that we're going to have by his grace. He's blown away. Look what he does. Look at the next part of the verse. And when I heard and saw, what, what does he do? I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Uh-oh, rut-row. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? John's done this before, hasn't he? He, he, fell, he fell at his feet in the right direction in chapter 1 at the feet of Jesus. But now he, does, he makes the same mistake twice, doesn't he? Chapter 19, remember he did this before. Do you guys ever make the same mistake twice? That's like, like half the room. No, you, don't be lying in church this morning. <laughs> Come on. Do you guys make the same mistake twice? Aren't you glad that he was honest enough to put it on paper? He didn't like, okay, we can't, I'm going to omit that. Does anybody else hear music playing? Or is that my head? And listen, angel worship's a problem. It was back in the early church. It is today, too, throughout history. What do you mean by that? Colossians 2. Listen to what Paul says. Colossians 2. Paul said, Let no one cheat you, of your reward. Let no one rip you off of the reward that God's got coming for you. Better tune in. We don't want our rewards ripped off, do we? Well, how would that happen? Taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, that's Jesus, from whom all the body, that's us, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Did you guys catch that? Paul's like, I don't want anyone to miss out on the rewards that God has for them. You let go of the head, you're in a bad, you let go of Jesus, you're in a bad place. You start to worship angels, walk around with false humility and in pride. And so he's warning us, specifically though, we're talking about the worship of angels. Bad thing. It happens today too. There was a whole movement years ago about angels were exalted. Do you guys remember that? There's angels in the outfield and angels in this and that. And 
I believe in angels. <laughs> was that a song? I believe in angels? Something like that. Country tune. I believe in angels. They're great. They're amazing. They're awesome. But listen, this morning, no created thing or created person is worthy of our worship. Only the Lord Jesus is. The author of Hebrews chapter 1, if you get a chance to read through it, the whole theme of the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is the greatest. Jesus is superior. Jesus is supreme. Why? Because there was a bunch of Christians that were drifting away from Jesus back into religion, including the worship of angels. And the author of Hebrews, ultimately the Lord, is saying, Listen, they're not worthy of worship because they're created beings. Jesus is the creator. Angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation. Who's going to inherit salvation? Anybody in this room? That's us. So what are angels sent to do? They're sent to help us out. How does that happen? I got no clue. I've only met one angel. Her name is Tanya. You can tell, if she's not here, please let her know. I said that. Get, get. <laughs> that's false humility. Sorry, that's no good. So, and the author of Hebrews later says, listen, sometimes we are unknowingly entertaining angels. What is that even, I mean, unknowingly, so they're not coming in with their giant wing, like flying, like... Just unrecognizable, regular Jim Bob Johnson pulling. I believe, check this out. I believe God brings them here sometimes to see how we're doing in the love department, how we're doing in our hospitality. Hospitable, the word philoxenia means lover of strangers. I mean, how are we doing as a church? You guys ever see some strangers pull in here? No? How are we doing? Reaching out. Hospitable. Open heart. Open home. So, John falls, bows down, falls down to the angel. What does the angel do? Oh, thank you. I'm deserving of this. He gets really fluttery with his wing. <laughs> what does he do? Look at what it says. Verse 9. Then he said to me, see that you do, do not do that. In other words, stop doing what you're doing. Stop that. And then he says, and here's why. Four, three reasons why. Four, number one, I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets. And then third, and of those who keep the words of this book. And then this is such a great exhortation. Two words, worship God. And so the angel reminds John of how angels are connected with us as believers. And he says, number one, the reason, number one reason he says first, he says, you shouldn't worship me is because, listen, we're fellow servants. We're on the same team. We serve the same Lord. Can I ask you a question? Are you still serving Jesus? 
No man can serve two masters. He's the one we are to serve. And the angel reminds John, we're together in this thing. We are serving Jesus and serving him alone. Number two, he says that we are, I am of the brethren, the prophets, right? Of your brethren, the prophets. The prophets declare forth those things that God has spoken. Do angels declare forth the things that God has spoken? Not a trick question. Do angels speak forth the things that God has spoken? Absolutely. Remember the, the angel of birth announcements? What was his name? Gabriel. Gospel of Luke. Then the angel, Gabriel, said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, check it out, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And how about this little exhortation? For with God, nothing will be impossible. Remember what the angel said to Joseph. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so we learn something about angels. Not only are we on the same team, but they also have a similar ministry to those who speak forth the words that God has said. And then third, notice that angels align themselves with who? Those who obey the word of God. He says, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. Isn't that beautiful? It's like you got your worship going in the wrong direction. And and I think there's a lesson for us in this. There are some times that we can can wrongly worship the instrument that God is using. It can happen to any of us. Rather than worship the one who is empowering the instrument, we start to elevate a person or persons. Correct? We can do that sometimes, can't we? And I think there's another lesson too. Not only can we do that wrongly, we need to worship the Lord alone, but I think also when the Lord starts to use our lives, do you know that God wants to use your life? Is everybody on on the same page? Do you know that this morning? God wants to, isn't that amazing? God Almighty wants to use your life. If if you're not being used by the Lord, if you're not surrendered to him, this may be heavy, you're, you're, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your life. And I'm saying that because I love you and I don't want to see anyone waste their life. Like Lot. You guys remember Lot? We don't have time to talk about Lot. He was a saved man with a wasted life.
But when the Lord starts to use us, what can happen is we can start to think, you know what, I'm pretty special. Wow. We can start to look for the praise of men. We can even start go fishing for it. I heard it, uh huh. <laughs> right? Listen, I'm right there, man. I got pride in my heart that needs to go. We all do. I think we learn a great lesson from John the Baptist. Remember when God was using John the Baptist? People are flooding out there to the River Jordan. We're going to go there, by the way, in Israel. I'll dunk you if you want. Right there. And people are like, who are you, man? You're, you're pretty spectacular. And he goes, I- I'm not the Christ. That's important. I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. You're not the Messiah. You're not the Savior. He said, I'm not the guy. I'm just the cry, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the paths of the Lord. And he goes on to say, I must decrease. He must That's so important. I need to be decreasing. Literally, in Greek, that's what it is. I must be decreasing. He must be increasing. Remember Peter and John? Remember Peter and John? Early church. Chapter 3 in the book of Acts. I sang it first service, but then I got mocked, so I'm not going to sing it this service. Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He asked for alms and stuck out his palms, and this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and... I'll sing that part. (laughs) Y'all remember that? You guys remember that story? God uses these two ordinary fishermen... Filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, there's an amazing miracle. This dude, he doesn't, need, he doesn't need rehab. He doesn't need any massage. He doesn't... No LA fitness. He's trying out his new equipment, jumping all around. And the people are amazed. They are blown away. Listen to, listen to what it says in Acts chapter 3. It says, so when Peter saw it, he saw the people greatly amazed. They're going, ooh, ah, wow. He responded to the people. This is so important. He responded to the people because he could have corrupted here. And pride is such a danger to all of us when we're being used by the Lord. And he says, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why are you so blown away? Or why, why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? You know what he's saying? It wasn't our power. It wasn't because we're spiritual. And he goes on to say it's because of Jesus. 
And I'm saying that because, again, we can so easily think, you know what, when God's using us, it's because I got up at 3 a.m. and I study and I pray and I fast and I... And listen, you're just a hose, dude. Just like me. A conduit of refreshment. Of God's grace. Don't exalt the hose. But don't get me wrong, it's okay to say, to, to encourage people. The danger is when we start to believe the press clippings. We take the praise, we take the adoration, and what do we do? Straight to the Lord. Just, just like that. You can remember that little... Just, real simple. Worship God. And he said to me, verse 10, who's he? Angel, tour guide angel. He said to me, do not, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. Why? For the time is at hand. Do, do not seal up. And how many pastors, preachers, teachers, churches seal up this book? And it says right in there, don't what? Don't seal it up. Why? Because it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Think about how many people are getting ripped off and not blessed because they don't study this book. What a disservice ministers do not teaching the full counsel of God's word. We're called, I believe, to teach the entire counsel. That's what, that's what the Apostle Paul said. Remember Acts chapter 20? He said to the leaders, little, little uh, pastor's leaders meeting, has them there at the beach of Miletus, and he says, I have not shunned to declare to you the entire counsel of God's word. That would include revelation for us. That's the entire counsel for us this morning, from Genesis to Revelation. And it's some of the spots are challenging, aren't they? Are some of the spots challenging, y'all? But we need that. There's sometimes we like. We're going through the Old Testament right now. There are some times, Isaiah went, were you guys here Wednesday night? No, where were you? No, just kidding. <laughs> Wednesday night, we're going through Isaiah, and Isaiah's getting all these prophecies concerning judgment after judgment after judgment. It's like, okay, man, how about a breather, dude? <laughs> you know, come on, Isaiah. But it's like there's so much in there that we need to hear. And we take the mirror of God's word, just like a physical mirror shows me my physical condition. We open the spiritual mirror and it shows us our spiritual condition. And there's adjustments we need to make. There's things that we need to walk in and trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Amen. So he says, don't close up. Don't seal up the words of this book. Why? The time is at hand. Guys, it's getting closer and closer to that day approaching where the Lord will come for his bride. It's, is it getting gooder and gooder? It's not. It's not going to get gooder and gooder, better and better. According to Jesus, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. The persecution that our brothers and sisters are facing around the world, that may come to us. I... And what does that mean for us? That means we need to press into the Lord deeper and deeper and into our fellowship. It's interesting when you go to different countries around the world. Sudan is one place I've been. 
when, where Christians are stoned to death, crucified, and killed, and burned, you know, it removes a lot of the denominational lines. <laughs> it removes a lot of the first, second, third, Baptist, Presbyterian, Calvary Chapelites. It's like we're just followers of Jesus who need him. And whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, pan-trib, I hope it just pans out. <laughs> Bottom line is we need to be followers of Jesus. Time is at hand, gang. The time's coming, the clock's going to run out, and there will be no second chances to serve Jesus, to invest in that which is eternal. And it's like, the ball's in our court. The door's open, man. Well, I, I don't know if I can go to Mexico, Mike, or Cuba. I know, maybe you're going, you know. You can, you can take maybe, what, 50 steps across your lawn to your neighbor? Do you guys have neighbors? No? Five steps? Correct? You take a few steps? And tell them, hey, do you know the Lord's coming? On trip them out, tell them the Lord's coming. Do you know Jesus is coming? Are you ready? I told that to my neighbor one time. He's a, he says he's a believer too. And he, and he, he took, on, took off on me. So, so pray for my ministry to him. I love, I love the dude. I just I want to see him saved. And I thought that would be a good intro, but you need to be led by Jesus. And it's interesting, I've been wrestling, I shared first service, verse 11, I've been wrestling for like two weeks on what in the world is being communicated here. I, I, four times I've taught this at church here, and, and uh, so, so he says, he who is unjust or unrighteous, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. He who is unjust, that person that is unrighteous, they've never put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they don't want to turn. They are dug in. They are stubborn going their own way. You know what? They're just going to keep going that way. The person that's dirty, filthy, that's unwilling to come to Jesus to be washed and cleansed of their sins, they're just going to keep on going that direction. You know, do you know you can't fix people? Do you guys know that? We try. Don't we? we try to fix our spouses, don't we, our kids? Only Jesus can do it. And that person that wants to continue in that condition, they're going to continue in that condition. If they can hear the words of this book, of the prophecy of this book, and there be no change in their heart and their life, woe unto them. But you, beloved, dearly loved one, he says what? He says, he who is righteous, by the way, that is imputed righteousness to us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, Correct? We're not only forgiven, justified means also he imputes righteousness to our account. 
And he says, he who is righteous, if you're righteous, he says what? Let him be righteous. Continue to walk in righteousness. Does it say that anywhere else, Mike? It sure does. First John, I'm going to read it. What, what is this, some kind of lordship salvation, man? You ever hear people say that? So lame. Because the book says, here's what God's word says. If you know that he is righteous, do you know Jesus is righteous this morning? You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. 1 John 3, 7. Little children, dearly loved ones, let no one deceive you. There's a chance of being deceived. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Did you guys catch that? Not perfect, but practicing, doing what's right in God's sight. Trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit who's been given to us in order to walk in the things that he's called us to walk in. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I'm saying? He who is righteous, let him what? What does it say? Let him be righteous. Verb, be righteous still. He who is holy. He who is set apart. Are we declared holy by God? Not a trick question. You ready for this one? But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own, King James, peculiar people. You're a bunch of weirdos. Yes. (laughs) You're a holy nation. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Continue to walk in holiness. Really? Does it say that anywhere else? Well, it says it in 1 Peter chapter 1. Can I finish with this? Because I'm out of time. Therefore, here's where, holy, here, here's where holiness begins. Christ-likeness. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace of that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How? As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Why? Because it is written, be holy. For I am holy. May that be the response of our hearts and lives in response of all that Jesus has done for us. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for rescuing us and saving us, forgiving us, imputing righteousness to our account, giving us a fresh start, the hope of heaven. You've given us so much, Lord. 
everything that pertains to life and godliness. You've given us a new family, a new future, new strength. Thank you that it is you who works in us, both to will and to do for your good pleasure. And so, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word this morning, for speaking to our hearts. May we respond and walk in obedience, trusting in the power of your spirit to do the things you've called us to do, that we might bring glory and honor to you, that your name would be hallowed in our lives, in our homes, in your church. In this world, Lord, that your name would be hallowed. And as we are still in an attitude of prayer this morning, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, perhaps you've come in this morning and you've been listening, maybe you're listening online and you have never come to that place of a real and genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know right now he's reaching out to you to forgive you. To grant you eternal life. Best of all, to begin a relationship with him today. He loves you. He demonstrated his love for you and for me by coming and dying on the cross for your sins and my sins. He suffered. He died and was buried and rose again on the third day. Demonstrating that everything he said is true. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And he's calling you right now to come to him. You come just as you are. Let him change you to wash you, to forgive you. By his grace, you come. Is that you this morning? Can I pray with you if that's you? Would you raise up your hand? We'll pray together if that's you. Raise up that hand real high. And let's pray together. I'll lead you in a prayer as you invite Jesus into your heart. Again, it's the most important decision you will ever make. It's concerning your eternity. Anyone at all this morning? God bless you. I see your hand. You can put your hand down. Anyone else this morning? I don't want to stop if the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, your life. You come just as you are. Would you slip up your hand? Let me pray with you right now. I'll lead you. Anyone else? I see your hand. I see your hand. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I see your hand too. You can put your hand down. Anyone else this morning? For those that have raised their hands, you can pray just this simple prayer after me. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I've sinned against you. I've broken your law. 
Thank you for dying for me, for my sins. Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you wash me and cleanse me and make me new? You promised you would. Would you fill me with your spirit? I don't want to go back to those sins anymore. I surrender to you, Lord Jesus. And I give you my life. Father, we thank you for these precious ones that have raised their hands. Thank you that you know our hearts. Would you please keep them close to your heart? Stir up the giftings and callings that you've placed within them. That their lives would make a difference. That as you shepherd them, Lord, that they would grow and thrive and abound under your care. Just as you've been so faithful to do in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the new birth, the amazing miracle. And so we lift them up to you now. We thank you. We know there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. So may we rejoice with those who rejoice this morning. We rejoice that our names are written in heaven. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for first loving us. And it's in your name, your precious and holy name, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Yeah. So awesome. So awesome. For those that have raised their hands, um, there will be some folks uh, in the back that would love to help you now on your journey with Jesus. They'll have a bag for you, a Bible. And so uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go and stand together for one more song.
Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness this day, God. We thank you, Lord, for a time of worship. Thank you for your word. Thank you for exhorting us, Lord, to holy living. Lord, we pray that you would help us, Lord, that our walk, our lives, our speech, our conduct would be in line with who we are in you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the love, the forgiveness that you offer. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, guiding us into all truth, helping us, Lord, to walk in the things that you call us to. We pray, Lord, that you would fill us afresh with your spirit and help us to shine before those around us, Lord, that you give us boldness as the early church prayed, Lord, to share and to reach out, Lord, while we still have time, while there's still opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for the great things you've done amongst us this day. I pray, Lord, that you would bless our time of fellowship, bless our week ahead, Lord, help us to glorify you in all that we do. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.